0: On today's Murder She Wrote podcast, Jessica finds herself at a lakeside inn where Edgar Allan Poe once stayed. And she might have just witnessed yet another murder that she eventually has to solve. Hello and welcome to the Murder She Wrote Podcast, where we watch every single episode of the hit 80 slash 90 show, Murder She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and soon-to-be recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award for at the Tony Awards this year. Six-time award-winning Tony Award winner, Miss Angela Lansbury. Today we're going to be talking about season two, episode seven, A Lady in the Lake. Air date, November 10th, 1985. Summer is upon us, guys. Here in Kentucky, it's already been hot enough for me to turn my air conditioning on. And the first day of summer is just around the corner. But starting this week, we're already going to have temperatures in the 90s. And you know how people, like, in the winter, hibernate because they don't like the cold? Well, I hibernate because I don't like the heat. Anyway, I'm your host, Donald Craig II, but I like to be called DJ. And... As always, if you're new to my Murder, She Wrote podcast, welcome. I spoil everything there is a spoil about the murder of the suspects, everything in between, so if you've not recently seen this episode, or maybe you have because Hallmark Channel has again started at the very beginning of showing the first season, so they should be before long getting into the second season soon, although they have a tendency not to show the show in order sometimes in syndication, don't ask me why. It is annoying. Um, But in any event, you can watch the episode one of four ways. If you own the DVDs like I do, get out your Season 2 disc set, insert disc 2 into your DVD player. This will be the third episode on that disc. If you don't own the DVDs, it's okay. You can watch the episode for free. All 12 seasons are currently streaming on NBC's Peacock app. As well, all 12 seasons are also currently streaming on the Roku channel. As well as the four TV movies The Preceded Murder She Wrote when it ended in 1996. And seasons one through five is currently streaming on IMDb TV. Now called Free Why they changed the name, I don't know. So... Now that that's out of the way, let's get into this episode. This episode is very interesting as it has a lot of twists and turns. But again, like most Murder, She Wrote episodes, it relies heavily on stuff that happens in the past that we did not witness to. More on that later. This episode is very famous among Murder, She Wrote fans because it features William Christopher, who played the role of Father Mokehi on M.A.S.H., MASH was a show that my father would often watch. Um, it was a really hilarious show because of Alan Alda and the rest of the cast. And uh, he kind of watched it a lot during my childhood, but I'm kind of burned out on it for life. But it was a good show, and I love when actors go against type. Meaning, I love when actors take on a role that they wouldn't normally be known for and that audiences would be shocked to learn. Kind of like how Melissa Sue Anderson did in the first season in Hooray for Homicide. But we'll get into what I'm talking about a little bit later. So we start off this episode with a beautiful view of a lake as the opening credits play. And um, they say that this inn is on the out, like on the outskirts of Cabot Cove? Like, it's not in Cabot Cove. It's, like, on the outskirts. But Am- Amos still has jur- jur- jurisdiction there. So, I don't know. And I'm assuming since there's a lake there, they could have filmed it on the Fox Ranch where they filmed the Laws in the Prairie because there was all kinds of different lakes that the kids used to swim in and play in in that show. So it's quite possible. Or maybe Universal... Studios has lakes as well. I don't know; never been there. I'm just sort of like guessing off the top of my head because I don't know what you know where the, where this was filmed. I'm assuming an either or situation: either the Fox Ranch or the Universal back lot. Um, the exterior shot of the end; it doesn't look very big. I've never seen it before in any other movie or TV show, so um, I don't know. So, so uh, Jessica and realtor Harry Pierce show up in a car. Harry was first introduced, just to remind you, in Joshua Peabody died here possibly. Um, he is played by John Austin, who played the original Mr. Adams and the Adams family. Um, and he made his first Murder, She Wrote appearance in season one in Hooray for Homicide as the producer that's trying desperately to do anything to get his movie made. But now he plays resident Cabot co-resident and realtor, Harry Pierce. Harry has brought Jessica to the end because she is doing research for a new book called murder at the Inn." Terrible title. I'm sure that's not going to be the final title. Um, And he says, He figured that the Stone Lake Inn would be the perfect place for her to do this. He also happens to know the supposed owner who is leasing the place with an option to buy, Grace Otter's Daughter. Um, And he is hoping that by the end of the weekend, she'll buy the place, even though she has not decided yet if she wants to. And then he says, also, that something that will inspire you is Edgar Allan Poe stayed here. And Jessica says, Harry, this building can't be more than 10 years old. And He said, the original inn burned down. I thought it would be an interesting, you know, fact that he did stay in the original inn. As they're talking, Jessica notices that there's a woman watching them in the window. And she says, Harry, don't look now. But someone's watching us." He says, maybe it's a ghost from the old inn. A ghost rider. <laughs> no, not funny. But okay. So we go into the inn. And there is like abundance of like paintings and pictures of Edgar Allan Poe. Just all around this place. I can't believe there were that many pictures and paintings of Edgar Allan Poe. He just doesn't come across as someone who would want his picture taken. I don't know that much about him. But the stories are great that he wrote. And I've stood the test of time, as we all know. But anyway. Okay. So we find out that the woman that was looking out the window is Grace. As Harry comes in, she does not seem to be all that happy to see him. He says, Grace, I'd like you to meet J.B. Fletcher, the mystery writer. She's going to be staying here. And he he said, and her staying here could put this on the map. Because both Edgar Allan Poe and J.B. Fletcher are great mystery writers. Jessica says, I don't know about that. So Harry like prods Grace wondering, so have you decided to buy this place? She said, check back with me at the end of the month, Harry. She shows Jessica to her room after Harry leaves. And uh, Jessica notices yet another picture of Edgar Allan Poe in her room. And uh, she goes, this is a very interesting picture. And Grace says, the pictures were Harry's idea." And Jessica says, and she goes, and I guess it just—they don't exactly brighten up the place now, do they? Jessica says nothing, and but then she makes, she goes, well, I hope that a raven isn't tapping at my window. It's a joke, you know, to Edgar Allan Poe's story, of The Raven. And even though this is a joke, Grace like undercuts and is like, don't have no ravens, but we did find a nest of squirrels up in the attic. I mean, Grace kind of comes off as standoffish and kind of like, you know, weird. Like she has something to hide. And she's played by Lee Merriweather, who has been in multiple things, and including, something from my childhood, All My Children. She played the role of Ruth Martin on All My Children when Mary Fickle, um... Left for a while. Um, and then she played her for the duration when All My Children was uh, canceled in 2011, I believe. Really great actress. Don't know what's up with her character in this episode. So she opens um, Jessica's blonde-like curtains and she looks out and she sees something that upsets her. She quickly excuses herself and says she'll go get Jessica's bags. Jessica looks outside to see a man and a woman standing there, obviously smitten with each other. Grace goes downstairs, and we get introduced to... Jack Tooney. And... Betty Jordan. They are openly flirting with each other. And it is so painfully obvious. Grace calls Jack in. Grace or Jack looks like a soap opera actor as well. Lee Merriweather it was. Um, she calls him in and she says, You're supposed to be attending to the grounds, not the female guests. And she said, and besides, she's married. And Jack says, I think she knows that. And he said, and just so you know, she came on to me. She said, well, you certainly finished it. Please don't go looking for trouble, Jack. We'll find out more about their relationship later. So I'm assuming it's the next day. Um, I don't think it's the same day. Because it just doesn't feel like the same day. But Jessica's in the lobby. And we get introduced to our key players in the episode. We have Mr. and Mrs. Crane, Howard Crane. And his wife, Carolyn Crane. They are playing Jim, and he is ridiculing her in front of everyone else. And then we get introduced to William Christopher's character... Burton Hollis, who used to be apparently a school teacher. He goes up to Jessica and he says, I remember you. I went to a teaching cinema with you in 1973. Do you remember? Um no, she does not, because it was nineteen seventy-three and this is nineteen ninety-five, so no. Um Howard introduces himself. And says, my name is Howard Crane, this is my wife, Carolyn, and she's really bad at gym, as you can see. Um, Mr. Hollis asks for tea, and then we get introduced to Joanna Benson, a nature enthusiast. She comes in with some fresh wildflowers. And, and uh, Mr. Hollis introduces her to Jessica Fletcher. And she goes, you're J.B. Fletcher. You wrote The corpse Died at Midnight. And it's The corpse Danced at Midnight. And uh, Howard goes, that was you? I started reading one of those, because it had a really hot babe on the cover, but I never got to the juicy stuff. And Mr. Hollis is like, she's a writer? Of what? She has mystery novels, and the thing that's really bad is that I don't live up to my covers. (laughs) I wonder how many authors have that trouble. But anyway... We then get introduced to Betty Jordan's husband, Kyle Jordan, who got up at the crack of dawn and went fishing. And he was wondering if anyone had seen Betty. Unfortunately no one has, but I bet Jack has. Hollis remembers amongst all the conversation goes Ah oh, yes, I was just about to ask Mrs. Witcher if she would go bird watching with me. Can we say about dawn? And Jessica said, can we say about nine o'clock? Yep, Jessica's my spirit animal. <laughs> so it's the next day and Mr. Hollis and Jessica are out in the woods. And suddenly Joanna goes by and Jessica goes, oh my. And uh, Mr. Hollis goes, oh yeah, I should have warned you. She likes to take her clothes off and goes naked, goes walking around naked in the woods. And Jessica says, but why? And she was, and he says, oh, she thinks that her body should be exposed to fresh air. And when he offered her tea in the previous scene, which I forgot to mention, she said, oh, no, I don't drink anything but water, preferably from a stream. But she must not drink a lot of water then. Because, uh, you tell me you're just going off to little streams and drinking water there? Yeah, something's with you there, folks. So, Mr. Hollis suggests that Jessica go off in one direction and he go off in another. Because they're looking for the yellow-belly bird. And he is going to look for their nest, which is in a tree. He gives her a pair of extra binoculars, and she goes off, and he goes off. As Jessica comes through a clearing, she notices that someone is out on the boat. It seems as if a woman is struggling with a man. This is Mr. and Mrs. Crane. And suddenly, Mrs. Crane goes into the water... And she doesn't come up again. It, it seems as if Jessica has witnessed a murder. Dun dun dun. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Sheriff Tupper is there. And they're looking in the lake and they have not found Caroline's body. Mr. Crane has been taken up to his hotel room. Um, everyone is there, outside. Um, Joanna is crying. Jessica gives her a tissue, and she says, I'm so sorry, I didn't know you knew Mrs. Crane. She said, I didn't know her at all. And then she runs off. Um, Grace is sort of standing there, not knowing what to think or feel, and Harry just randomly shows up, and he's like, Wow! This murder could put this place on the map. Be good for this place. It can put this place on the map. And she goes, what? And he says, people love places where someone was murdered. I mean, think about how many people go to the Lizzie Borland house. And And I was like, wow. And a lot of people still go to the Lizzie Borland house. I've never been there, personally, but maybe someday I'd like to see it. That case has always fascinated me and everyone else in the world. Anyway, Grace is like shocked. And then Mr. Jordan goes up to the sheriff and says, uh, I don't know if this will help, um, but their room was next to ours and they were arguing quite heavily the night before. And Jessica says, well, did they mention anything about going fishing? And Mr. Jordan says, well, that's the strangest thing. She never, ever wanted to go out with him on the boat before. But she wanted a divorce. She practically begged him for it. And he said it wasn't going to happen. And uh, he turns to Mr. Hollis and he says, well, surely you had to have heard them. And he said, well... Well, I, I I, did hear them, and one tries not to listen, but yes, she seemed very adamant about the divorce. So Sheriff Tupper thinks that this case is cut and dry, and for some reason, he's really mean in this episode. Like, I don't know if they're still working out his character or what, but he comes across as, like, he really wants to be right? And he's completely wrong. Um, Jessica says that this seems fishy. She's like, this does not add up, especially given the fact that they can't find her body. The lake doesn't look like it's all that big. So it doesn't look like it would be hard to find her body. And shouldn't shouldn't her body be right there? So Jessica proposes that maybe Carolyn faked her death. And maybe she went on the run. Maybe she was so desperate for a divorce from ha- from Howard that she decided to fake her death and run away. Sheriff Tupper is almost buying this theory, which will turn out to be correct, but more on that later. When he gets a radio call from one of his deputies, whom we never see again and whose name I can't remember, Who says, oh, I think his name is Noah, says that they found her body on the east side of the lake, not anywhere near where she supposedly drowned. Seth is there and takes her body in the back of an ambulance to take it to his doctor's office to do a autopsy on her body. He asks if Jessica would like to go back with him, and Jessica says no. She would like to stay there to tie up some loose ends because things are not um, adding up for her. And, And Amos, like, goes, It's because your theory isn't correct and you're sore about it. And I was like, Whoa, dude. No. She's trying to put the pieces together. It's like, Back off. But I love Sheriff Tupper. I love Sheriff Tupper. But I just don't understand what his problem is in this episode. So, Jessica goes, before Seth goes back to town, um, he examines Mr. Crane and has given him a sedative, And Amos is not happy about that. He says, why would you do a thing like that? He's my only witness. Aside from Miss Fletcher here, who saw the whole thing. And she says, as I told you before, Amos, I'm not sure what I saw. So, Howard explains to them that he didn't understand why Caroline was so upset and why she jumped out of the boat. And then he says, I can't swim. And... Amos is trying to question him, and he's just not getting it. And then he goes, Carolyn, Carolyn, oh. Uh, And then he falls asleep. So later that day, Jessica is in the lobby looking through the bird book that Mr. Hollis was looking at the day before. And Grace says, that is... A very popular book. Everyone seems to be wanting to read it. And she says I was just brushing up on some on something. And she was like, Grace, do you know if anyone had any reason to care to kill Mrs. Crane? And she said no, I didn't really know her. She asks to see Grace's check-in book and to see if anyone had checked in before the cranes, She finds one number, and she calls it, and finds that the voice on the other line is Joanna Benson's. Jessica puts two and two together and figures out that Joanna Benson is not in fact a nature enthusiast. In fact, she knows nothing about nature at all. I mean, of course, making that crack about, I only drink water from a stream. Yeah, well, then you don't drink water at all, then. She explains that her and Howard were having an affair, and she had followed them to see if Howard was going to leave his wife or stay with her. And she wonders if, in fact, he did, in fact, murder his wife. After Jessica um, talks to Joanna Benson, she goes down to the boathouse and encounters Jack. She wonders what a rope or something was doing on the bottom of the boat. When she leaves the boathouse, she runs into Mr. Hollis, who tells her that Howard is about to get arrested. Sheriff Tupper has brought him back, or has come back to arrest him, as he is his only suspect. Jessica agrees to go with uh, uh, Amos back to town, and while she's in the car she questions mr crane she says do you have any relatives and he says no and she says is it true that you sold your company and he said yeah and then she goes is it also true that you don't like to be locked in a closet and he said oh my god you got that from my therapist what happened to confidentiality and she said no somebody else mentioned it mr hollis mentioned it before they left You said, oh, I hope Howard will be okay. He doesn't like to be locked up in an enclosed space. Hmm. Howard mentions that the majority of his relatives are dead, and he had a cousin named Arthur, but as far as he knew, Arthur is dead too. Amos keeps trying to tell Mrs. Fletcher to stop talking to him, but she continues, Eventually, they put Howard at the police station, and they go visit Seth at his office. And unfortunately, Beverly is still not there. It was Thursday. It must be Beverly. Unfortunately, she's not mentioned nor seen in this episode, even though she's in the famous episode that you all know and love, which I can't wait to get to. But anyway, he says, well, she did die. She died by drowning. And Seth says, see, told you, this case is cut and dry. And Seth says, but that's not what killed her. And he says, huh? He says, actually, what killed her was she she was hit with a blunt object. There was like pieces of glass embedded in her head. And then someone held her head down in the water until she drowned. And mud was found in her lungs. And Amos again says, well, because she could have reached the bottom of the lake and got the mud. And Seth says, it was shallow water. It wasn't deep enough for her to go to the bottom. And she did not survive long enough. And he goes, damn it, Doc. I had him dead to rights. And you're telling me that Howard Crane didn't do it? Then who did? Jessica says, maybe you should investigate a man named Jack Tooney, who le- who works at the inn. He's a little mysterious. Meanwhile, speaking of Jack, again, Betty, Jordan, and him are openly flirting with each other. Betty comes back from being with Jack to her and her husband's room. Her husband demands to know where she was, and she says, well, I went on a bike ride. And he says, oh, no, you didn't. I went to go get a bike out. And the guy told me that no one had rode a bike at all. And I was the only one to come by today. So again, where were you? You were with that Jack guy, weren't you? And she was like, so what if I was? Meanwhile, it turns out that Jack is wanted on some charges in another state. So, Jessica and Sheriff Tupper head that way when they arrived they asked asked Grace where Jack is and it turns out that Jack and Grace are brother and sister, and that the thing that Jack was accused of didn't happen; he was innocent of those crimes. He was accused of embezzling money from sad, lonely married women, as well as beating up on one. But Grace says that he was framed by the wife's husband and that Jack was innocent. Betty comes down and says, Oh, Sheriff, please help. I think Kyle is going to try to kill Jack. Everyone runs to the boathouse for some reason, including... Mr. Hollis, who has no personal stake in what happens to Jack at all. But for some reason, he tags along because he needs to be in the scene. They all get to the boathouse, and Mr. Jordan is holding a gun on Jack and says, There's always a guy like you waiting in the wings to take advantage of poor defenseless women. And he says, Hey, pal, It's I don't think she's worth you shooting me. Eventually, Sheriff Tupper arrives and tells Mr. Jordan to put the gun down. And then this is when Jessica lays out the crime. She says that Carolyn faked her death basically to inherit the money that Howard had had from selling his family's company. She suspected that she convinced Howard to go out on the boat with her, and while Howard was off having breakfast, she took the boat out and secured the diving equipment, which no one had realized was missing, until Jessica realized it was missing, when she was in the boathouse earlier talking to Jack. She dived under the water because she was an Olympic swimmer, to secure the diving equipment. Then. As planned. After breakfast. They got in the boat. And they rolled out. She waited. Carolyn waited for her witness. Which happened to be Jessica. And she struggled with, with Harold, Howard. To make sure. That it looked as if. He had pushed her under the boat. As she was under. She got the diving. She had. The wetsuit on under her dress. She grabbed the oxygen that she secured under the boat and swam away. She got out at the other side waiting for her accomplish. But what she didn't realize was her accomplish killed her. So Sheriff Tupper assumes, as well as the audience, that Jessica's talking about Jack, but Jessica says, no, I'm not talking about Jack at all. She says, no, as a matter of fact, Carolyn wouldn't be with someone like Jack. He's too obvious. No, her lover was someone she trusted completely who talked her into the whole plot. Someone who is related to Howard. Someone who knew him from his childhood. A cousin, perhaps? Cousin Arthur? And she turns to Mr. Hollis and she says, How did you know that Mr. Crane was claustrophobic? You said that he didn't like to be locked up. But only someone from his childhood would know that he was locked in a closet for almost four hours and couldn't get out. I suspect that you were the one that convinced Caroline to do this plot, and then you turned on her so you could get the money yourself. And he admits it and says, Howard's father humiliated my father. My family was entitled to that money. And you have to understand, I, uh, I killed them both. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to inherit. Although I really was fond of Caroline. And that is the end of that. Grace decides not to buy the inn. And Jessica leaves and a picture of Edgar Allan Poe falls down. And she's like, oh, interesting. And then that's the end of the episode. Mr. Hollis gets arrested, and, of course, Mr. Hollis is split by William Christopher. And it's just amazing when they go against type. You know, William Christopher plays the kid, plays the murderer here, and Melissa Sue Anderson does the same thing in her rape for homicide. Both of them were known for roles of good people who would never murder anyone. You know, William Christopher played, a, you know, a minister, Father Mulcahy, while Melissa Sue Anderson played... Uh, um, goodie, good older sister, Mary Ingalls. All right, let's go over our guest stars, people. Um, We're not going to go over John Aston or Tom Bosley because we know that they appear in several other episodes. So we're going to start with Susan Blanchard, who played our murder victim, Carolyn. She's still with us. She is known for Prince of Darkness, 1987, They Live, 1988, Police Woman TV Show, and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, in 1975. Her last known credit is 1989, and a TV movie called Adventures in Babysitting. She guest starred in Webster, this is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote, she was in Falcon Crest, The Love Boat, Magnum P.I., Young Maverick, the new Maverick, the, oh, she also guest starred on Matches, Nurse Cooper, so she did work with, with William Christopher at a time. She was in Police Woman in two episodes, Mr. T and Tina, don't know what that was, Beacon Hill, and had it. A... oh, she was also on All My Children is Mary something. But in the 1970s, which I haven't seen any episodes from, the 1970s. We got William Christopher as our murderer. I wonder if this is the only episode of Murder, she wrote. Aww. He died in 2016 at the age of 84. He's known for, of course, M.A.S.H., The Fortune Cookie, 1966, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and Team Knight Rider, 1998. His last known credit was playing Father Tobias on Days of Our Lives in 2012. He got started on Mad About You. Team Knight Rider apparently was a spinoff of Knight Rider in 1998. Diagnosis Murder. The new WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, he did um, some voice work for the Smurfs. I love the Smurfs. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was in the spinoff after MASH, The Love Boat, MASH, Good Times, Moving On, Columbo, The Carol Burnett Show, That Girl, oh, he was on Gomer Pie, Hogan's Heroes, Death Valley Days, Andy Griffith Show. The Patty Duke Show and the 12 o'clock high show. Awesome, awesome, awesome actor. And I love when actors go against type when they're when they're not used to, you know. Charles Frank played Kyle Jordan, the jealous husband of Buddy. He is still alive. He is known for the right stuff, 1983. Filthy Rich, which was a sitcom with uh, Delta Burke and Dixie Carter before um, Designing Women came out. He's also known for All My Children as Dr. Jeff Martin. Funny how I didn't recognize him. And the original Wonder Woman in 1976. His last known credit is a video game called Dynasty Warriors. He got start on Spy Game. Devil's Food, Women of the House, which was a spin-off of uh, Designing Women with uh, Delta Burke. He was in the Elizabeth Taylor story as John Warner. Walker, Texas Ranger, All My Children as Dr. Jeff Martin. But sometimes like they don't credit actors a lot. Like it says 1971 to 95 and I don't know if that's accurate. Um, Hearts of Fire, which had uh, John Ritter. Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Madlock, Reasonable Doubts, Life Goes On. Oh, and he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote, in 1991. So we will go over more of his credentials when we get to that episode. Which we will we will eventually get there. Howard Crane was played by Lawrence Lickenbill. Luckinbill, Luckinbill, sorry. Very weird last name. He is still alive. He is known for Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, 1999. Cocktail, 1998. Lucy and Desi, a home movie. And The Boys in the Band, 1970. Last known credit is in 2005, The Executed, its TV movie. Oh, Wow. He will appear in three more episodes of Murder, She Wrote. And he will appear the next one in 1988. He was also in All My Children in '94 as Dr. Walsh. Don't remember him. But we'll go over more of his credentials when we get to those episodes. I just have to remember his name. Lee Merriweather played Grace, as I said. She was known for All My Children. But let's see, was this her only episode of Murder, She Wrote? I wonder. She is still alive. She is known for being in Batman, the TV series, as Catwoman, the original Barnaby Jones TV series, The Ultimate Gift, 2006, and Metal Gear Solid 4, 2008. Her last known credit is in 2019, Love and Debt. She was in a TV series called Rise the Catwoman. Um, she was in... She did some voiceover work. Batman vs. Two-Face. Uh, she was in Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. The remake of Hawaii 5 It was good. All My Children is Ruth Martin and I was right. She played... The character, starting in 1996 until about, I want to say, 98. And then the original Ruth Martin came back. And then when she unfortunately passed away, she took over the role until the end of All My Children in 2011. She was in Touched by an angel. She doesn't voice over for Duckman. Ah, and she will be in another episode of Murder, she wrote. In ninety three and ninety five, so we'll go over more of the, her guest starring roles when we get to those episodes. Joanna Benson was played by Lee Purcell. She is still with us. She is known for J L Ranch twenty sixteen. Kids vs. Monsters, 2015, Valley Girl, 1983, and Big Wednesday, 1978. Um, her last known credit is a movie called Sick. Her other roles include Persons Unknown, Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, and she will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1986. So we will go over more of her guest starring roles when we get there. Gotta remember her name. It's hard to remember sometimes. Charles Taylor played the role of Jack. He is still with us. He is known for Mask, 1985, Knight Rider, 1984, The National History of Parking Lots, 1990, and Code of Violence, 1985-86. His last known credit is 2009, Saving Grace B. Jones. And he was on Days of Our Lives in 1997, so like I said, soap opera actor. And this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. He was only in 13 different things, most of them TV movies and soaps. And a failed TV show called Code of Violence, where he had a dog as his uh, co-star. Betty was played by Lauren Towers. She's still with us. She is known for The Love Boat TV show. The X-Files Game, 1998. The Doom Generation, 1995. And Charlie's Angels, the original show. Her last known credit is Idle Chat, where they chatted about The Love Boat. She got starred on Twin Peaks, The Fugitive, remake. Love Boat, the next wave, is Julie McCoy. It came from Outer Space 2, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, Remake TV movie, Weird Science TV series, My Two Dads, The Love Boat, as Julie McCoy. and so she was a main character on there. But I mean, she wasn't featured enough to where I really recognized her, so in this episode she was on Hotel. This is her only episode of Murder she wrote. TJ Hooker, The New Mike Hammer, Fantasy Island, Charlie's Angels. Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders movie, TV movie, Starsky and Hutch. Family and Police Story. So, good. And we're going to skip William Window because we know he's going to appear in several episodes. And Noah, the deputy we never see again, is played by Johnny Crawford. Oh, he died last year at the age of 75. He's known for the Rifleman TV show, Hellboy, The Thirteenth Floor, and El Dorado, nineteen sixty-six. Thirteenth Floor from nineteen ninety-nine. His last known credit is The Marshal in twenty ten or twenty nineteen. Sorry, he was in Thirteenth Floor, The Gambler Returns, Luck of the Draw, with uh, Kenny Rogers. Paradise Crossbow. I don't know what that was. This is the only episode of Murder in Europe. as movie matinee. Kenny Rogers as the gambler. The adventure continues. Macbeth, Little House on the Prairie, and the Hunters as Ben Shelby. Don't remember. Um, The Big Valley, original Hawaii Five-O. El Dorado Valley of the Giants. Mister Ed. The Rifleman is Mark McCain, The Dick Powell Theatre, The Donna Reed Show, The Restless Gun, The Danny Thomas Show, The Loretta Young Show, The Frank Sinatra Show, The The Count of Monte Cristo TV show, The Lone Ranger TV show, The Man in the Grey Flannel Suit was his first appearance. Good for him. And that is all of our guest stars. That is all of our guest stars. Thank you so much for listening and your continued support. Have a great day, night, depending on whenever you listen to this. My heart still goes out to what is happening in the Ukraine, and to the families affected by the multiple mass shootings that's been happening lately. I pray for peace every night before my head hits the pillow. And I hope that everyone stays safe out there. Happy crime solving, and I'll see you in the next one.